It's really important, men and women, that you take the leadership position in your homes seriously before God. Because you're raising little disciples, and they're watching you. And what you're giving to them, and what they're watching, and what they're receiving, that will be what they will do when they grow up. They'll mimic your lives. Exactly. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. It's great to have you along today for our continuing focus on God's perfect design for marriage. Today, Raul will draw from Adam and Eve's struggles in Eden to show us that a healthy relationship with our spouse is grounded in obedience and submission to the Lord. When we sin and try to cover up our mistakes, we not only damage our marriage, we hinder our communion with God. Let's listen as Raul Reese continues the lesson, The Great Liar in Marriage. If you have your Bible, join us in Genesis chapter 3. When you read the book of Genesis, we know it's the book of all beginnings. And this is the first time we have the first wedding ceremony in chapter 3 of Genesis. Now you got to remember, this is before the law was ever given by God, the Ten Commandments. And before the Jews got together and they began to write the Mishnah, they began to write 622 commandments out of 10. And then all of a sudden, here is God in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve have been created for one another. They're enjoying the presence of God. They're enjoying the fellowship of God. And all of a sudden, in the marriage, the deceiver shows up. The old dragon, the serpent, the father of lies, the adversary, the Bible says. And he begins to not only be in the Garden of Eden, but he begins to take opportunity in speaking to the woman, the weaker vessel. We don't know where Adam was. Some people say he went fishing. We don't know that. (laughs) But he was somewhere, not with his wife. But he was somewhere doing whatever he was doing. And when Satan saw an open door for the weaker vessel, he took full advantage of it. What's amazing about the story in Genesis chapter 3 is that the first observation was the enemy attack that came upon the woman, but not really upon the woman, upon the word of God. Now you remember there was innocency in the Garden of Eden. They were naked. There was no shame. They were enjoying the presence of God. They were enjoying paradise. This beautiful place God had created for Adam and Eve. And most important, enjoying fellowship with God. Fellowship with God. And then in chapter 3, the enemy appears And comes into the Garden of Eden. And the first thing that he sees is an opportunity with a woman being alone. Her husband nowhere to be found. And so what happens is that the serpent 
begins to communicate with a woman where the woman should have never ever communicated with the shining one. That's his name in Hebrew. The shining one. The dragon. The old serpent. And the first thing that he does is he challenges the word of God. He's questioning God's word. He said, Has God indeed said to you, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Immediately, questions in her mind. Her husband is nowhere to defend her. Her husband is supposed to be the spiritual leader of her home in leading, in providing, notice, and watching their children as they're growing spiritually, as the father takes the role in the home of becoming the spiritual leader of his home. But if any man here today is not in communion with God, or fellowship with God, then you can't really be the leader of your home. It's an impossibility. It will never work. And one of the great things about the challenge that Satan brings here as he not only challenges the word of God, that secondly, the woman comes and begins to communicate and begins to give an answer to Satan to his question. In verse 2 and 3 he says, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it. Period. There's a comma. Should have been a period there. But there's a comma. Why? Because the rest of the phrase was added by the woman. She added to the word of God. That's a no-no. You can't do that. Nobody can ever add to the word of God. Why? Because then the plagues of the book will be added to you. God has written already what he wants to say. When Satan saw that she said, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. He said, all right, now I have an open door. Her husband's not around, now I can deal with her and I can deceive her mind. And I can get her to the place to also deceive her husband. Interesting. Observation number three, verse four and five. The enemy comes along now and contradicts what God said. Verse 4. And then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Notice that. Immediately, contradiction. Satan is a created being. God has always existed. He is eternal. Not Satan. When Satan saw the door open for the woman to add to the word of God. Immediately he took the opportunity, you shall not surely die. What does he do? He contradicts God's word. God said you would die. He's saying, no, you're not going to die. But the opposite, you're going to become like God's. Mormon doctrine. Verse 5. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like, not God, like small g-o-d-s, God's knowing good and evil. Now thirdly, he defames the character of God. God doesn't know what he's talking about. 
Watch this, observation number four, verse six is through eight now. Notice what he says. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took it, she ate it, and she gave to her husband, and both of them ate. Wow. All of a sudden, he appears in the scene, and he's eating with her. As a leader of the home, what's he doing? He's contradicting God's word. He's compromising. Compromise is a real ugly thing that happens in the church all the time, and there's great consequences to that. You reap big time. And here is Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden being deceived by the serpent, by the shining one, Satan himself. When they did this, and they ate of it, notice verse 7. The eyes, the first thing that opened up when they partook of the fruit, notice, was their awareness. Their eyes were open. Their eyes were open to reality. Secondly, they knew they were naked. Uh Uh-oh, what's up? So what do they do? They try to hide themselves. And they go over to one of the trees and they cut down the actual leaves of the tree and they put them on themselves to cover themselves. That's called self-righteousness. Trying to save yourself. You can't do that. Too many people want to save themselves. You can't do it. It's only through true righteousness in Jesus Christ period, you can be saved. He's the only one that can give you what true righteousness. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. For Bible-rich resources to guide your daily life, connect with us at somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. You'll also want to join Rolf for Straight Talk on his YouTube channel, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. West Coast time. Now back to the final part of our lesson, The Great Liar in Marriage. It's really important that we get the picture here as God is speaking, and God is really speaking to them. Because we see in verse 7, the awareness. Number 2, the shame. They knew they were naked. Number three, we see their self-righteousness. Man trying to cover his own shame by his own works. You can't do it. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And Adam hid him, and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What does sin do? Sin cuts up fellowship with God. They heard the Lord walking in the cool of the garden. They were in fellowship with God. The telephone line now has been cut off. And they're shame. And they're hiding. And they're trying to protect themselves by covering themselves with their own self-righteousness. And yet it says that Adam and his wife, as they hid themselves, they were afraid. Fear entered upon their hearts. They knew something was wrong. What does sin do? Sin always makes me hide from God. Always. Verse 9 and 10. The fifth observation. God's call men's excuses. When God calls, what do you say to Him? 
Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Adam, where are you? Simple word, where are you? Many have translated this as God was really angry and said, Adam, where are you, you dirty rat? I'm going to kill you. That's not true. This is a loving father, just loves his son and daughter. He knows because he's God what they've done. But what is he doing? He's looking for men and women to make confession and come to repentance. That's what God looks for. Not excuses. As God is calling out here, he's calling out, the question is, Adam, where are you? That is, where are you spiritually now that you're hiding from me? What did you do, Adam? That's a question for all of us here. Where are you today spiritually? When God asked that question, listen to the answer, verse 10. And then Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden. So he could still hear the voice of God in the garden. God has given what? A second chance. As he gives you three, four, five, six, a thousand chances. I heard your voice in the garden. Secondly, I was afraid. Wow. I was afraid. Before that, they were never afraid. See, he's telling God what he's feeling. I was afraid. Why? Because I was naked. I was naked. And so what did I do? My natural thing, I hid myself. He hid himself from what? From the presence of God. He was ashamed. Sin always brings you to shame. Always. But here we see that Adam and Eve, as God is speaking to the man, Adam, what is he doing? Adam is trying to cover his sinfulness. I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. And so I naturally hid myself from you, Lord. I hid from you. I couldn't talk to you. He didn't have to do that. He could have said, God, I blew it. I haven't been the leader of my home. I was somewhere else when I should have been with my wife and Satan came and deceived her and deceived me too. Because they both partook of the fruit. And then check this out. This is amazing. Observation number six. God questions and man excuses himself again as God gives him a chance to do that. Verse 11. And then God said, who told you that you were naked? Good question. Who told you? That you were naked. And then God says, have you eaten from the tree of which I, God, commanded you that you should not eat? He goes from question to question. Immediately, he challenges him again to see if he's going to repent. Notice the opportunities God gives. Now he's directly asking, did you eat? Did you take of what I told you not to do? Give me your answer. The answer, verse 12. And the man said, the woman who you gave me, she did it. Notice that. How many times we've heard that? In counseling sessions, man, they come in, they sit down, we pray. And the first thing that I see is, she is the one. She's the one. That's why I messed up. She messed me up. Really. Amazing. I mean, look what the Bible teaches. 
Immediately she points to the woman, the weaker vessel. He was supposed to be the leader of his home. He was supposed to lead in praying and overwatching his family. And being the head of the house, spiritually speaking, taking care of all their physical needs. And the first thing, when God gives them the greatest opportunity of all opportunities to say, Adam, what happened? Lord, I sinned against you and against my wife. I didn't oversee her as you gave me what the power to do that. He says, the men said, the woman that you gave me to be with me, she gave of me of the tree and I ate. That's what's called the passing of the buck. Verse 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, now woman, what is this that you have done? So she, he goes to the woman now. And the woman said, the serpent. Now what is that? The serpent deceived me and I ate. In a way, that's true. The serpent deceived her. But at the same time, where was her husband? Somewhere instead of the right place. And that's the problem in marriages today. The husband is not in the right place at the right time. It's really important, men and women, that you take the leadership position in your homes seriously before God. Because you're raising little disciples. And they're watching you. And they're listening to you. And what you're giving to them and what they're watching and what they're receiving, that will be what they will do when they grow up. They'll mimic your lives. Exactly. Too much is given, much more is required, the Bible says. Great responsibility, great judgment. As they begin to make excuses for themselves, then the judgment of God has to come. But before the judgment of God comes, notice verse 14. And then the Lord said to the serpent, he goes to the source, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, more than every beast of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Before that, the serpent, the dragon, the old serpent used to be standing upright. Like the dragon. Not on its belly. God cursed it and it came into his belly. And right as God curses Satan for doing what he did, deceiving, adding to the word of God. And doing what he does with so many marriages and so many people. In the middle of that, verse 15, check this out. God throws in his grace. He blows my mind. Observation number seven. Notice God's promise here of his coming judgment, but also of his coming son. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed which is the Antichrist coming, and her seed, that is the virgin birth of Christ, and he, notice Jesus, shall bruise your Satan's head, and you shall bruise his heel. Isn't that interesting? A prophecy for the future birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, his incarnation. God gives great hope again to marriages. It is not by the law, it's by the grace of God. That a marriage can be saved by the grace of God. Because we all make mistakes. We all blow it. But God can forgive. 
And he can only forgive when you come to Jesus Christ personally and you ask him to forgive you straight up. Not twisting it. Say, Lord, I blew it. I'm a bad husband. I'm a bad father. I'm a bad mother. I haven't done what the Bible says. You know what God will do? He'll blow you away. He will forgive you and he will re-educate you. He'll blow you away. Because that's the way God works. But because of the consequences of sin, what happens? You're going to reap to your sin, right? So verse 16, check this out. The woman first. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be for your husband, and your husband shall rule over you. That's God's word. Number one, when you have babies, it's going to hurt. Number two, notice, you're going to desire your husband, and your husband will be the head of your life. It doesn't mean that the husband overpowers his wife and lords over his wife. No, you rule by love, your wife, period. And this is something that is so hard for men to do, to really allow God to work in you and through you by loving and caring for your spouse. And when the woman was not only judged, then the men is judged too. Check this out, verse 17. And then Adam, he said, because you have heeded to the voice of your wife. Now, it doesn't mean you don't listen to your wife. Sometimes you don't have to listen. (laughs) But look what he says, this is amazing. Then Adam said, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, he says, and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, not her. Notice, you were the head, saying, you shall not eat it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat, notice, the herb of the field, and in sweat. Of your face you shall eat bread until you turn back into the earth. Isn't that something? Until you go back into the earth, for out of the ground you were taken, thus you are, and thus you shall return. The man is to be what? To be provider of his home, working hard for his family. Sweating. Sweating, not relaxing. It's easy to make excuses for the sin that's undermining our marriage and our relationship with God. But as we've heard today, it's much better to admit wrong and repent. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. To hear today's lesson again, just call us at 800-634-9165 and ask for the lesson titled, The Great Liar in Marriage. We'll send you an unedited version for a gift of $5 or more. As you consider whether you need to make things right with your spouse and with the Lord, we'd like to offer you the entire marriage study we're currently airing. We've downloaded this 20-part series to an MP3 thumb drive, and it includes a special interview with Rawl and his wife Sharon. Exploring God's original marriage design, you'll see how you and your spouse can enjoy His richest blessings when you choose transparency and obedience. 
To order Rawls' 20-part marriage series, including the bonus interview, visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. We'll send your USB drive for a gift of $30 or more. Once again, that's 800-634-9165. Or if you prefer, you can write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese is fully listener-supported. Thank you for partnering with us. Your tax-deductible donations are truly a blessing. Join us again next time as we investigate more of the Bible's directives for a healthy marriage. We'll get inspiration to prioritize humility, respect, and communication in our homes. Now, with a closing comment, here's Rawl. And it's really important that we understand that here, the woman is to bear the children to take care of her home and make sure everything is running right, and the husband is to go out and get a job. If you're working today, I know it's very hard today. That was never God's purpose for a woman to work. It was to be at home with her children. That was God's rule. And the reason is because children need their mothers as they need their fathers. What a blessed thing it is to know Even though my mom and dad were heathens, they always provided for us. Both of them worked. We didn't have much, but they provided every time. And I think that it's really important that we all understand our position that God's given to us. And as Christians, too much is given, much more will be required when on the day of judgment. We need to get together with the Lord and make our lives right before Him so that He can bless our marriages and see what God wants to do today, tomorrow, and the following day. I am falling in love with you. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.